We're giving the headline That's speech the at Nationwide's primetime event. It's coming up. Our speech is at 5 p.m. October 28th. So, Brian, give us some advice. What should we do or not do? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's about the people, right? You know, it's about the audience that's there. And that's what I would speak to. But come to the side door. It's like, I think it's it's like sometimes we always put our furniture hat on. But I think it's, it's like, let's speak um, with freshness and leave hope. You know, I think that's really it. It's like, listen, it's not just the furniture industry that is experiencing, oh, my goodness, gasps of, what am I going to do tomorrow? It's every industry and, and just encourage everyone to look outside of their box and say, what is working and share ideas with each other. This is a family, a nationwide thing. It's a family. And, and chances are, um, you know, yes, you can hold your cards close to your chest, but right now it's survival, you know, share what's winning with your family and let's keep this industry alive. You know, let's keep these, um, American factories thriving, you know, and, and if we can share our best ideas, uh, to bring that, that factory base back to the States and, and encourage that we have enough ingenuity, um, behind us. And, and I always try to encourage people think about where you started and how far you've come. The best advice is the rearview mirror. My gosh. Okay. And, well, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll we're talk pumped. I'll I mean, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's, Hey, we need the advice and, some, and we're, we're giving the speech at nationwide's prime time. We've been on the yeah. master's university university stage. And from that stage, those people in that room inspired the book that we wrote and more than 70 of them nationwide members are in the book. And so I'm, I'm really excited that we got catapulted up to the main stage and that, you know, I have to say about Quinn, I don't know that he know he knows anything other than a side door exists. <laughs> well, I love that the, the side or the back door because normally people when I come over they're like, yeah, you need to go to the back door. We don't want you yeah. to walk into my house, so that's where I get to go. Now, Kinsey, I think that's true. And you know, I, I was thinking about as you're talking about the keynote, you and I, the very first time we gave the Mattress University speech together, that's a huge honor, uh, and we were in their third spot, which is a, another big honor because like, that's where they get most of their traffic. Right. And then and then we even said to each other at one point, you know, someday uh, we aspire to maybe get that main stage for them where all of the retailers, not just the mattress guys, but uh, we think that our message applies to appliance guys and, and, and home yeah. theater guys. And here we are. And so it's just a huge, it is a huge honor uh, to get that spot and cannot wait to see uh, those members and be able to share some of our story and talk about our new book, and uh, yes. get them fired up for that. So, well, here's here's something else. Brian Morgan, who's on the show today, and we're going to give him an official welcome and an intro yes, here in a moment. But he right. gave us some advice, and I want you listening to the show to give us some advice. What do you think we should do? And here's how you're going to do it. It's really simple. Text us eight four three Marcos two eight four three M A R C O S two, and so we're using Podium for all of our yeah. communication now. And so they set us up with this sweet custom Dos Marcos number that you could text. And so Quinn and I and Adrian, our chief of staff, are all gonna be manning and womaning the Podium app so that we can manage our communication because doing it through Podium is incredibly easy and empowering. And that's why we wanted, we brought the Podium team into the Dos Marcos universe because we heard from so many retailers during COVID saying, this is how I stayed open, texting to pay. Like I was texting people and they were paying. And they processed since COVID, since the beginning of the COVID shutdown until now, they processed more than $46 million in payments through furniture and mattress stores. Wow. But what's so cool about it is if you leave a store and someone texts you and says, hey, if you like that, here's a link, just click on it and pay for it. Like if you make things easy for the customer, you will get paid. Apple computer is evidence of it all day long. They simplify, when, when you take this device, which is so incredibly complicated and they send it to you with no instructions, you know that they've done something that no one else has done, which is you simplify the hell out of it. I love it. Yeah. Kinsley, can, yeah. we, can we have people go 843 Marcos 2 and, sit and, and do reviews? You know, I, think, big part of I think we're on the verge of that. We need okay. to get people to review our hair our outfits, uh, 
our guests are for sure going to get five stars. I know that because Brian is a five star. Absolutely. Guy. I've polished everything on you top of here. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and podium has been and, awesome for us too. It's, it's you guys are on podium. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, um, I, I, I need to get the, uh, this chiseled in writing, but we were one of their very first, uh, you know, mixed bag of furniture stores that jumped in and then it, it, it really allowed us to be, um, kind of like even with the big box stores, you know, here I am a small guy, but for the first time ever, I had a chance to, uh, retain amazing reviews and, and that's kind of how it started. And it's just really morphed into so much more. And it's really the tool bag for my company. And we know that the digital door is the most important door. And when consumers are trapped at home, they're buying more furniture, but we need to be able to communicate the most comfortable way we can with our consumer. And if she's at home nursing a baby and her chair is so uncomfortable, she can text us, you know, while she's there. And, uh, and so it's been really awesome. And yeah, I'll, I love Podium. Brian, <laughs> one question for you. Is your business better because of Podium? Um, I can't say yes loud enough. Um, you know, we didn't only survive in COVID season. We thrived and had the biggest months we've ever had in our history. And it was because we were able to pivot and send that salesperson not to furlough, but to home with his laptop and his phone and his tools to work from home and use Podium Chat as our number one source of communication. That pipeline did not stop. And it just helped us to really now evolve into more of a lead generation type experience online. So uh, anyway, it's really helped us tremendously. Um, we went from like nil reviews to hundreds and thousands, you know, on all of our platforms combined. But, uh, but you know how, um, how it is asking for reviews. That used to be the thing to get that you can give the sweet neighbor or the lady at church, you know, I'll sell you your recliner at cost, just leave me a review. And, and it's like, every time you share it, you're like, well, you didn't leave me a review. I gave you something for free. But now I ask them uh, through text and they respond so quickly. Um, so it's been amazing. The payment thing helped us tremendously push payments, you know, just asking for that. Internally, we use um, team chat every day, a morning huddle with my entire company. And every day I can be at home, I can be in my truck, but I can get my entire company on the same page and say, hey, what is the one thing, what is our goal today that we're just going to kill it with? And then what are your rocks? You know, what are your problems today? Okay, this got a different location. You encourage him, have a sidebar conversation and, and go from there. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. That's huge. Love it. You can go over, uh, by the way, anybody listening, you can go to podium.com forward slash dose. And you get 10% off as a listener. You just fill out that little form. Look at the funny picture of Quinn and I reading some sort of magazine on there. I'm not even sure. I made you laugh, though, and I was proud of that. Dose Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So we're on the show today, this very day, with a guy named Brian Morgan. And, you know, when we spoke on the phone, I immediately thought, this is a living example of all the principles, almost every principle we put into our, our book, which is going to launch in December. And I say that because we started talking about being different. We started talking about doing things to get yourself unstuck and, and pulling all the levers you can pull to drive traffic to your store, serving people, compassion, heart, the, using the cage method, community answers, giving experiences. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I really was disappointed when we first spoke because I wanted to put your story in our book. So if there was a revised version we do down the road, I'm serious. I'm like, gosh, you, you really capture so many of the things that we're trying to tell retailers. This is how to do it with purpose and with passion 
and with service in mind. But so I'm super excited to actually capture your story and get it out to more of the world. But Brian, Brian Morgan, uh, Austin's Couch Potatoes Furniture and Mattress. Tell us about you and tell us where did that name come from? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an honor to be on your show. And, and I'm just one of many. I'm kind of on the bench. We've got a team of heroes that are in our family and I tell them that every day. Um, yeah, we're the couch potatoes and really, um, you know, I can, I can launch into, uh, some of our history and our, our past and just kind of tell you the highlights of it. But, um, uh, it's all been kind of by accident, you know, we're, we're coming up on 10 years as a, uh, a brick and mortar retailer. Currently, uh, we have, um, three brick and mortar stores in Austin, Texas, and we're ready to launch a hundred thousand square foot store. It'll be the largest locally owned furniture store in Austin, Texas. Um, and that we will be called the Furniture Mall of Texas. Um, we're partnering with an amazing outfit out of Kansas, uh, the Furniture Mall of Kansas, and it's all about experience. But kind of how we got into the name Austin's Couch Potatoes is uh, born and raised in Austin, very simple family, you know, farmer type family, you know, you just work hard, roll your sleeves up, you know, you deal with whatever's thrown at you, you know, if it's too hot, too rainy, you know, your job is still to reap a harvest and you always have to pivot. And so, um, and, you know, dad just taught us, you know, we might not have a whole lot, but you have your name and you have a work ethic and, and you just do it and, and uh, you operate in integrity. Um, but no one in our family really ever went to college or anything like that. You know, it was just work hard and, and, uh, you know, pretty blue collar. Um, but I always had to hustle to make money, you know, and, and, uh, and so if I wanted to eat pizza at school growing up, I would order a pizza the period before lunch and I would pre-sell them for $2 a slice. And that was my lunch. And then my, my money for going out to watch a movie later or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I felt this calling in life as a kiddo to, to love people. And, and one thing I love about my parents, Dave and Cheryl, um, they, uh, they just, we pretty much lived at the church growing up too. So we're always doing something at the church. We were community focused. And if, if a family, we didn't have a lot, but I always just watched my, my dad model giving, Hey, you don't have a lot, but if that family has no food, let's give them a loaf of bread. You know, um, and it was very uh, multicultural environment. We were inner city, wrong side of town. We were the minority, and, and that's what people would say. And and we just that was normal to us. And uh, um, you know, it was it was just a really awesome environment to grow up in. But it taught me a lot about loving people where they're at. Um, and and so I felt this calling to go off to school to be a minister. And so. Um, you know, saved up, got a little bit of a scholarship to go to uh, a Bible college uh, in the East Coast, and uh, but had to had to work. And um, by then, you know, this is right when eBay kind of started and stuff like that. And so I was like, how do I work? I can go bus tables at a restaurant. I can do this or whatever. And and uh, I just started selling stuff on eBay in my dorm room. And, and it worked. And then, you know, I was taking the kid who didn't know what his school book was worth and I would sell it online and, and flip it. And then I finally found there's an amazing niche. I started selling, this is why I'm going to Bible college to be a minister. I started selling women's plus size lingerie in my dorm room. Now that is crazy. And how do you and, do that, Brian? So, so that listen, people come in for fittings. Into your oh, absolutely. Room? You know, we were selling water balloon launchers like no other. Um, no, it was really interesting. I, I, uh, I was at lunch one day and a friend of mine said, hey, my brother's trying to start an e-commerce business. He has all this access to product. And so I just kind of went over there and looked at it. And I'm like, I'm in a dorm room, not a lot of space. And then you can just start looking at what sells on eBay. And believe it or not, plus size lingerie had a really high sell through. And I'm like, well, there's my calling. And uh, so I started selling women's plus size lingerie. And then that turned into uh, me then getting all my friends to buy boxes of clothing and women's plus size lingerie. I started, started this little franchise of selling uh, clothing and shoes and anything and everything. But we, we had a really neat opportunity where I was uh, in Virginia. Um, 
there was the distribution center for home shopping network. And so I was able to use that as a source. And through that, um, just intro to them, um, we, my, my now business partner, Dan Anthony, we met kind of just doing this sidebar hustle thing. And, and before you knew it, in a year's time, we went platinum on eBay and we had like 30 of our friends. We had a warehouse and then we, we locked up a, uh, a deal with Home Shopping Network to buy all their uh, pictures and descriptions. And, and we, got, we became their reclamation center of a lot of their products. So here I'm trying to focus on Bible college and then like the back burner, I'm selling like crazy. And then that led us into other department stores. We got Macy's department stores and that's how I got into the furniture space. Um, we started selling truckloads of scratch and dent furniture uh, for Macy's um, to people over the country and never touched it. We would just bring it in and, you know, uh, a different truck would hook it up and we'd mark it up a few points and sell it to this guy that's got a clearance center or whatever. And did that for five years, um, just hustling and finished my degree and uh, wanted to actually go and start and help out a church. And so, um, went to launch a church at Ground Zero in New York City. And um, that was uh, 2007. And uh, loved that. Um, Lower Manhattan Community Church is still there. Um, just one of the, the guys that helped, you know, wasn't the, the main guy or like that. Just wanted to go and help people. But in that environment, and this leads to how we became who we are today. Um, one, I got to take product that was returned you know, at Macy's, um, back in the day when someone got a delivery of a sofa or a mattress or whatever, and it arrived scratched or scuffed, and, uh, you know, it was send it back. You know, we don't send a repairman out to replace that leather piece or that leg. It was just send it back. And so tons of waste, tons of trash, um, and it was salvaged. You know, it had no warranty. Um, and, and it just really translates, you know, to kind of what we do every day now, it's couch potatoes. We, we, we were birthed um, in Austin after my stint uh, in New York City um, in 2010. But what really got me started was I, I really just fell in love with people in New York. And, and I got to see people on the streets and hear their stories. And, and it's amazing. We've all traveled to that city or you have it in your own backyard, but just meeting these individuals on the side of the street, um, that guy was a PhD. That guy was, he was an actor or he was a businessman or whatever. Just a bump along the way, just completely derailed them and, and they just need to be heard. And so um, spent a couple years there um, just really helping people, meeting them where they're at and ingesting hope. And not trying to change them, just saying, you know what, need food today, let's talk. And eventually life change would happen. And I've got story after story of people that um, we saw literally come out of living out of the subways into now workforce and giving again, just by hearing them and listening to them and meeting them where they're at. Um, and so 2010 happened. Um, 2010 was a difficult year for everybody in business, but uh, for me personally, my, uh, my father in Austin started getting really ill and I had to come back and forth from New York City to Austin to help my family. Um, and I just felt like this was a really short stint in New York. I need to now um, come back home and help my family, but I, I just don't know if I want to do this church thing. You know, I, I love business. I love hustling. I love hearing people and and uh and getting other stories and, and my short experiences in church working at a church and one bash but that does that is i just kind of you feel isolated and you can't really do what you want to do because you're you're trapped talking to the, the crazy church lady all the time and and so um i also felt bad taking a paycheck from church so i said how do i do what i love show people that there's hope eternal hope but how do i you know provide for myself and and so i'm like gosh i guess the only thing i know is buying furniture from Macy's and, and trying this thing out. And so, um, Craigslist in 2010 was hot in 2010, Austin, Texas was a top 10 marketplace for Craigslist. And this was when you probably remember this guys where people would like buy these like auto 
relisters and stuff and like list your product and you could say I'm gonna list furniture ten times and and these bots would just keep listing it and so we got in early and we became one of those annoying bots that just kept relisting our product but um, early on um, we're like this is a bad economy right now we know that people want furniture they want name brand furniture and and so I said what better time to be introduced into the home furnishings industry than with the best price. Um, and so that's how we introduced uh, the Macy Salvage to Austin, Texas. And so I started buying a truckload at a time from Macy's and I never saw this stuff before guys. We, we'd sell this stuff to people and they kept buying it. And those Triggers, man. Let me tell you, it's so funny. Many that buy salvage from these department stores. They're really smart. Like you'll buy a truckload of furniture, and they'll they'll like put half the sectional on this truck, and they force you to buy the other sec the other truck to get the other half. And so, really interesting how we started. But I didn't know there was a thing called market. I didn't know there was a thing called nationwide. Um, didn't know that there was places that I didn't know where anybody bought furniture. I just thought all was broken. I guess, but. But uh, we, we had uh, rented um, an abandoned bathtub facility um, in Leander, Texas, North Austin. I found a guy that said, hey, I'll rent it to you for 400 bucks a month. And by this time in my life, guys, I dwindled on all my savings when I was in New York. I'm like, I've got to reinvent myself. I have nothing other than my experiences that I've learned in my here I'm trying Brian, to Did you say so I, a bathtub facility? Yes. I, yeah. I don't even know what that is. They make bathtubs. So I'm sorry, they make bathtubs. Yeah. So it was this uh, out of business manufacturing plant where they make bathtubs. So imagine like fiberglass and just okay. dust and junk and weird stuff. And this guy said, I'm buying it all, I'm clearing the whole thing out. And, and I told him my story as well, this is going to be short lived. Um, so, um, I said, Hey, I want a place to store furniture and I don't have a lot of money, but I'll let you know in 30 days if I'll do it again. And, uh, I, I need a place to just rent for 30 days. And he goes, well, it's 400 bucks. Here's the deal, Brian. There's no power here. Um, no running water. Um, no one can come on site during the hours that my construction guys are here. So basically 7 a.m. to four or five a day. He said, if, if you're gonna do any dealings, it needs to be offsite. So I would literally go down there. Um, we brought this, well, first of all, we brought this first truckload of furniture in from Macy's and Bloomingdale's. And I kid you not, I'm not the buffest guy in the world. I don't know if you can see me or not. Not a lot's changed. I used to tell the chicks they had a surgery and I cut all my muscles off and then go really far. but. Anyway, we unload this truckload of furniture. And I'm like, I'm gonna die. These people that unload trucks work so hard. And so just, I'm always grateful for these guys. I give them a hug in our factory now. But anyway, we unload this thing. I'm like, I, I told my brother Travis, who was my first employee and business partner, I guess. I said, man, we don't know what we're doing here. Most of this stuff is damaged. Have you ever repaired furniture before? No. And so, we're like, we have got to get our 12 grand back out of this. And we're just like, we, we can't let anybody come here to even buy the stuff. What are we going to do? And so we had to get creative. So I went and got a rechargeable drill, um, went and bought an SLR camera. And I found a coffee shop down the road that had bottomless coffee for 79 cents. So what I did is I pulled every piece of furniture off that truck. We unwrapped it. We looked at it. We found what can we sell immediately? And we, we pop up some pictures online. We take pictures, we polish it off with McGuire's, the same stuff you use in your car. We're wiping it off, you know, trying to make it clean. And, and we have no power, so we have to do this really fast. And then we go to the coffee shop and we upload our pictures, use their Wi-Fi, drink their bottomless coffee. And, um, and I'm like, well, let's list this stuff on Craigslist. We don't need money, it's free. And I kid you not, people just started coming in and I had to say, wait, you can't come until after hours. Well, I don't get off work till five and it's the fall. It starts getting dark at 6.30. And so I kid you not, guys, we were selling furniture by headlamp and people were going to Shady Factory. I said, well, you can't come if you see this, this GC, this general contractor's big truck. I mean, just keep going because he'll kick us out. And so this big, 
these people would drive up in their vans. They think they're going to get murdered or something. And I'm like, it's in this scary room. And we headlamp, show them the furniture they bought, load it up real quick and get it out of there. And if they wanted delivery, this was a whole nother hilarious thing. I had an 85 Volvo four-door sedan and I had put a hitch on there. My buddy had a, a lawn mowing business. And so if someone wanted delivery, I would go and offload his mowers, hook the little mowing trailer up to my Volvo. And then Travis and I would put their sofa on, go deliver it, go over again. But um, the name, you asked me about the name, Austin's Couch Potatoes. When we were what? kids. Before we get there, though, yeah. let's just acknowledge something. Yeah. We talk a lot about creating an experience at Utah. <laughs> and if you were to describe to somebody, hey, this is going to be an adventure in furniture buying. Here's how it's going to unfold. Number one, we got to be on, on the lookout for like the junkyard dog who's driving around in his general contractor truck. We're going to do it by headlamp. You're going to be in scary situations. And then if you want me to deliver it, I got to go get rid of my buddy's mowers, hook it up his trailer to my sedan, and then I'll meet you at your house. You cool with all this? I think some people will be like, this sounds so far-fetched, I'm in. They, that's it. They loved the, the ingenuity of it, and they thought they were going to get a ridiculous deal. But that's the thing. It's a perceived yeah. value. It, that's yeah. what it is. It reminds me of the time I was in China, Guangzhou. We wanted to buy some like pirated movies. So they took us mm -hmm. in this back alley, took us into this place. I'm like, they're going to Shanghai us, like drug us and put us on some like sex trade ship or something. <laughs> I mean, I was really, and then we get Hopefully in with a coupon. What's that? Hopefully with a coupon. I don't know if people pay well, much. Believe me, no ah, nobody's paying full price for me, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm free with like some other thing that they give out. But, but anyway, the guy stands on a sofa, gets the ceiling tile. You know, we're Americans, so who knows? Moves the ceiling tile, pulls this bag of DVDs down. I'm like, are we buying drugs or something? I felt so anyway, I, I laugh at your experience. The best part of that for me was you don't have electricity, so you're showing them the furniture by the headlight of your car. That yeah. is so funny. Yeah, yeah. And we we uh and I can't tell you, it was like that every day. And, and we have to kind of give the condition like, hey, you better do a once around because this is it. This was either return or we repaired it. And I told you we had no idea how to repair furniture. So I'm watching YouTube videos, trying to do leather repair. And I can't tell you, I mean, early on, we had no money, okay? My cousin, don't tell my cousin Terry this, but I know that we repair the arm of him and his brand new wife, their sofa with Lowe's paint sticks for free. The arm of the sofa was crushed. And so my brother and I took the leather off and we reframed it with paint sticks from Lowe's and put the thing back together. A lot of glue. And it's amazing. You have no idea what's in the frame of your couch. I encourage everyone to go home right now and just slice it open and see how <laughs> it's made because you're going to learn a lot about the manufacturer. But it's all lipstick, you know, a lot of these manufacturers. So you really get what you pay for. But through that process, you know, we fell in love with some amazing manufacturers. We saw because we're taking apart these things and learning how they're made. Wow, this is what MDF is. This is what sinuous coil is. This is Pirelli webbing. This is, wow, this is Italian. This is leather. This is, you know, it was an amazing education. And I wouldn't trade anything for the world. Um, for that. And, and, and so by this time in our story, we had multiple listings on Craigslist and we're like, well, what's our name going to be? And we didn't want to be like the family name furniture store. It's everybody did that. I'm already selling in a barn. I mean, what's it going to be? And my dad, instead of mowing the grass on Saturdays or whatever, helping him out around the property, he would just say, Hey, couch potatoes, get up and do something. You know, you guys can't be couch potatoes all day. And I just remember that always in my head. And and, uh, and I said, well, that's what we're selling right now is couches. And so couch potatoes, that sounds pretty cool. And so that, that kind of just stuck. And so then we started telling people, if you want to see all of our listings, just search couch potatoes. And uh, then we added Austin's onto it because there's an amazing operation already out in California. I think he's in the name um, and didn't know that at the time. But that kind of launched us into couch potatoes. Um, my brother and I, we moved into that building. Um, and live there. And um, I had a friend of mine that I knew close by. So we're living in this building with no, no AC, no, no water, 
no electricity, and we're just trying to survive right now to make enough money to maybe get an apartment or whatever. And my brother goes to 24 hour fitness and it's just like end of the year, they're doing their special. You can get a lifetime membership to 24 hour fitness. And it was just like a one-time fee of a couple hundred dollars for life. And I said, Travis, get it. We need a shower. And so <laughs> we, he got a membership and um, that's where he showered and uh, I showered at buddy's house um, but we started and we lived in our building we ended up moving to a different one after we got out through that and moved into a mechanic shop for three years we lived in a place um, in our building and so we would do appointment only add electricity and um, and we just did appointment only eventually it grew into a Monday through Saturday thing and um, um, we'd wake up at 9 45 and the door would open at 10 and you know, uh, by this time, my third business partner, Dan Anthony, is with me, and he would love to wake up at 9.58 and walk to the shower, which was across our showroom, and hop in the shower, and then he'd open the door, he'd be in his underwear, and walk across, and there's already customers in the store, and I'm like, whatever. I mean, they came here for a good deal in the show, I guess. So anyway, that's that's how we we started Couch Potatoes, and, and it took us three years of saving and churning, dealing with the salvage stuff, and then we finally heard wow, people go to market and, and that's where you go to buy stuff. And so we saved up enough money to get our first really cool building on the interstate. And a cool building to us is 12,000 square feet, no air conditioning, because we just, you know, that's what you do in Texas. And it had the worst parking and there was a giant gym in there, a CrossFit gym that quit paying their bills and they left their sand pit in there. And so I talked to the guy and I said, Hey, we'll take the thing as is I have enough to pay my first month rent and we'll pay you when we can. And the guy was just desperate. And so the handshake deal, we're still there, by the way. Um, we had to get rid of all that sand and basically create a store in this hot box. And so to this day, we've been operating in that store seven years. Um, it was our highest producing store. It gets it to 120 in there sometimes, but people come for the experience. And, and we give everyone um, a cold drink when they walk in to so a bar at the front. And a little hook that we learned, don't tell my mom this, don't tell anybody this, but we have a bar there, right? Okay, and so she doesn't know. Mom, don't listen to this. Um, but- All right, hold on, Wait, let's recap real quickly. Yeah, sorry about don't that. Don't tell cousin Terry about yeah, the paint yeah. stir sticks inside right. the couch of the yeah. and don't tell mom yeah. you have a bar we got it we're taking yeah. notes yeah yeah but, but we I think, don't i think it's only fair that we tell you this is the world's the galaxy's greatest mattress I... the chance of your mom watching this show is pretty good so uh, yeah i'm okay that we may have outed you just let me know when you air it and I'll go do some work on the front end and tell her it's a Kool-Aid bar or something, you know? So, so Brent, let me ask you a question <laughs> Sorry. because Kinsley and I have both been entrepreneurs in, in the startup space. And I, I'm just curious. I always love this question. I, I listen to NPR show a lot, how I built this and oh, I yeah. think about like your story and like, was there a moment there when you, when you're kind of coming along that you just went like, I don't think this is going to work or um, where hope was fleeting, or you were just kind of doubting what you were doing. You had the whole thing and you were maybe going to be a pastor. And then, yeah. you know, I, so was there ever that moment where you just said, I just don't think we can do this or, yeah. and if there was like, how did you manage that? How did you get pushed through that? Every day. <laughs> okay. uh, it was every day. And, and there are some moments where it's like, and never having a legit business license before we had to, we had to learn all that stuff didn't go to business school and so many roadblocks and you make a little bit of money and oh we got to pay our sales tax so pay it you know and, and so just so many things but there were there were glimpses of hope and all of it is around not the, the stuff we were selling but the stories that would come in the people that came in that sought us out on Craigslist like why did this person come here and what a gift that was for for, for God to solidify to say no this is what your calling is to be in business, to encourage this person who was hurting, that you went through a life experience to encourage him or her. And, uh, you know, I'll share one story. This person's become family now. Um, uh, Lee, um, 
good friend of ours um, came in, very lonely person, um, uh, would come in and, and buy pieces from us almost daily sometimes. I'm like, that's awesome. But um, you would think we we're oil and water. We didn't have a lot in common, um, but come to find out Lee's partner died of AIDS and uh, recently and got a new house and he's got this massive house of all these old memories. And he was just trying to switch stuff out to kind of like try to find joy and stuff. And, you know, when people buy furniture, guys, you know this, it's, and, I, and I've landed on this, people are in massive transition. You know, it could be death, like Lee, it could be empty nest, new town, new college, whatever, new job. And there's a lot of emotion attached to that. And so Lee just needed friends. And so he would come in and he would buy furniture and we'd have to go deliver it and he'd have us move five things. And, and, and Dan and my brother and I, we just said, you know what, this guy's lonely. And, and so I finally told Lee, I said, Lee, I, I don't want you to feel like you have to buy our friendship. I, I will be your friend and we will, we will love you. We'll cherish you as a friend. And it's not a business transaction where I don't care. And I told my partners and my brother and Dan, I said, I don't care if we go there every day to show this guy that we love him and we care for him. We're, we're going to move his furniture. We're going to show him that we love him and we care for him. And, um, but we, we, we finally, my wife finally got married and got out of the building. And my wife said, let's continue this relationship with Lee. And we, we now celebrate birthdays with him. Um, cause no family, you know, it's just, he comes over and, and, uh, and we sit down and, and I said, Lee, can I, can I just say a blessing and thank God for a meal, whatever. And so I said, God, thank you for our friend Lee. Thank you for his friendship. And we just started talking about what, what, what is love, you know, and how did you, you know, how did you build this picture of love in your life? And, and, uh, and you get to hear this man's story and all the pain that he went through and you wonder why he's the person he is today, just and the choices he's made in his life. But, but uh, growing up, his mother was a prostitute and his dad was his mother's pimp. And so that's what was modeled him of what a family normal unit was and it's like it just led him down this path after path after path and dead end and dead end and dead end and finally he came across our path our past met and it was like lee let us tell you what real joy is let us tell you what real friendship is it's not to take advantage of you it's not to to do that but we've been able to use furniture as the avenue to bring this man joy and a friendship and an extended family and that's just one story. And then the other story that keeps me in the business over and over again, um, um, my wife and I were wanting to have kids and we needed to pursue adoption at this point. And uh, it was a, it was a struggle, you know, and we were just like, what are we supposed to do? And we just felt this calling and didn't really know anybody that adopted. And here I am working this hot, sweaty job, you know, not super rewarding. I'm not even taking a paycheck from this thing. And I want to give up. All I am is making this end user comfy. And then the guy who owns the business is worn out and strapped and upset and working at 120 degrees. And this, this little gift came in. It was beautiful. I'm at the end of my rope. want to give up about building my family. And, uh, and this lady comes in and she just ran them into our store and she just comes through and, She's got four most beautiful little kids. I'm like, oh, it's neat. And and uh, I said, how old are your kids? And oh, well, we just uh, started fostering to adopt. And I'm like, I've never interacted with anybody that's done that. And it's like the very next day after I had this meltdown with my wife, this person comes in and says, oh, we adopted. We're pursuing adoption. And she connected me with an amazing agency. Um, but it's like the little gifts along the way that God's given us to say, I've got you. <laughs> I've got your deepest desires, you keep your hands on the plow, keep working because there's purpose to this. And you think you're supposed to be behind a pulpit somewhere. This is your pulpit. I'm going to bring the people to you that need encouragement. I'm going to encourage you along the way. And, and you're just supposed to be a light in the community. And over and over again, people come in and um, we get a little encouragement from somebody like that adoption story, or it'd be someone's like we had massive fires in Austin. And so we, I told my brother, I said, if we've got furniture, let's give it, let's figure it out. 
we'll figure out how to give it to them. And, and before you knew it, we built this entire pipeline of, of local churches giving to give furniture and resources to people. Um, um, and so we were just the conduit that was used to, to help with that. But I know I've kind of missed a big, a lot of big gaps in our story, but um, you know, the first few years was tough, so tough. It still is tough. And what's kept us in it are the rearview mirror moments, the moments of, you know what, that very first truck that we got, I didn't know how to repair furniture, didn't know what we were doing, but we had to churn it. And you know what, we figured it out and God provided them. And the next hurdle was electricity. You know what, there was a coffee shop down the road with free Wi-Fi. We figured it out. And, and uh, I can keep going on and on and on about stories like that. And Love that, I kinda, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> you, I like that you talk about transitions because yeah. this is something Quinn and I have spent a lot of time thinking about. It, it's those little seams where you can find weakness. You can find, you can find extreme tearing and ripping apart in those yeah. seams, in those transitions, or you can find that's where you win. And when people come to you, you're seeing their, you you see that seam exists, that transition in their life is happening. And those can be very painful or they can be the point at which they transition in their own lives and something better happens or they get through it and they get through it with people. And I think we as just human beings so often are going through these transitions and we don't share it with anybody. They don't know yeah. what's happening and we have yeah. to endure it alone. But you know, by virtue of them coming into your store, there's a transition and that's the point at which people need help and they need us. Yeah. And what an intimate calling. You're the living room. You sell living room. You sell that intimate space where you've now been given permission to offer hope to people. You're the first stop when you're selling a mattress or, or living room. You think about every single, you looked at life like a, you have four quarters, you know, it's like you got every single demographic, every single person's going to need a mattress or a bed and you get to just be a piece of that puzzle and, 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 and be the conduit. And so what are you going to do? I mean, you have a choice. You can either be a snake or you can be a, a solution finder, you know, and, and you can just really build a, a friendship and a relationship with that customer. And they're going to tell 10 people, um, about their experience they had with you. And I think the key is don't ever be too busy for people. I think when you've lost sight of why you're doing what you're doing and you're not on the floor enough to get up there and, and, and be in the weeds, slow down and, and, and get regrounded. And, and I think that's so important. Yeah, Brent, I, I love I love what you're saying. I, I love that you were going to be a pastor and then you kind of arrived at the conclusion that you can serve people where you were yeah. uh, in the profession that you were in and how you found the purpose behind that. Even in the mattress category, when, when yeah. I'm out in stores and, and talking to people about betting, you know, I ask people what industry they're in and what, what business they're in. And they say, well, we sell beds and furniture. I'm like, no, you're really not. Because it's like everyone that walks through your door, like what is your opportunity there, right? It, in the mattress category specifically, it's help them understand how important that bed is yeah. to them living a better quality of life, feeling better, <laughs> being healthier, uh, being happier as a human being. And um, so I, I think that there's purpose if you look at that, but you're taking it to a whole nother place, which is um, not just about the, you know, Hey, you're coming in to buy furniture, which can make your house a home and make you happy. And, and, and you create moments and memories there, but you're even going further and saying, listen, as the human side of it, like, what is the need there? Look for that opportunity. I don't think there's a lot of people looking for those moments where, you can say, hey, I'm with you. I get it. I see pain. I see your circumstance. I understand where you're at. And um, the, the moments that we spend with you in this store, it's going to be about more than you coming here to buy something. We want to connect with you on a, on a deeper level. And I think that's, you know, the book we just wrote, Brian, we talked to you about it in, in, in a call about a week yeah. ago. But 
it's a lot about that too. It's like, how do you really connect with people when given the opportunity? Why do it, number one? And two, what does it ultimately give you? And I know that you're probably benefiting even more than the people you're serving because of what it does to the inside of you and how it propels you and how it makes you excited about what you do every day. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, I've had tastes of, of wealth, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people, you know, that have a ton of, you know, wealth and treasures or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, sometimes they're, they're super happy. Sometimes it's a struggle or whatever, but I'm like, what fuels us is um, investing in something that's going to outlive us. And, and, you know, early on in our business, we were all about outside of our walls and, and we would bring in what we call projects. Oh, that guy's out of jail. Let's bring him in here. We'll just try to whip him into shape, you know, and give him a chance. You know, that was kind of how we started. And we were like, well, we've got to help people outside of our walls. And I've, and my brother, Travis, has just got some amazing discernment. He's like, we've done a really good job of serving people outside our walls, but what about the people right on our bench? How do we love and care for our team? What's our turnover rate on our delivery trucks? And it's like, well, probably because we didn't know that guy struggled with X or whatever, you know? And, and uh, um, it wasn't until recently where we said, we're going to really focus on our mission at Couch Potatoes and, and – um, we believe uh, we're called love people, bring comfort and practice fair trade, but we want to use furniture to empower people to thrive over the world. So we have that community and world piece where we, we give a lot. Um, and then the second thing that fulfills us is we've got to love our people on our bench and, and our family. And, and uh, going back to our roots of dealing with salvaged furniture um, at the end of the day, when it's in the right hands, you can make something beautiful again and desirable again. When you put the right amount of effort into it, you can take something that was many times we bought furniture or picked up furniture off the street that was, tar- you know, ugly, torn, broken, whatever, free. And we would bring it into our shop and we would just start to take off those layers and get down to the frame and the foundation and figure out how do we rebuild this to make it strong and put new foam, new fabric, and just kind of build it out again. And so we've really taken that same principle to our family at work. Um, I don't know any other furniture stores that do this. We have a full-time uh, chaplain that works for us, and so it's really interesting. Um, we believe it's so important that we get in front of every single employee every single week and find out what's going on in your life if you want to volunteer. We don't pressure people with faith and religion, we just say, you know what, when you come to work here, are you okay working for a Christian ran company? If not, it might be uncomfortable for you, but we're not going to pressure you. Um, um, we're going to lead with biblical principles. And we just decided we're going to take a stand. Enough of this wishy-washy, you know, you don't have to be a weird Christian. Just be real. You know, when you're struggling, let people know you're struggling and we're all human, you know, and nothing because I'm and owner of a company means I'm on a pedestal or anything like that. No, I struggle. And, and so every morning, um, you know, we practice, uh, you know, sharing prayer. I recall if you want prayer, we have people that come to work here who give us the Heisman. I don't want to talk to anybody about faith, whatever. And then as soon as a bump in the road happens, going back to like those homeless stories that I did in New York city, working with people in the streets, it's like a bump in the road happens. They're at this impasse. It's like, I either, ask for help or I go back to my vice to, you know, to just leave the pain. And so many times we've been able to, through that chaplaincy or just giving them a voice that's not an owner or manager, just to talk freely, hundred percent confidential. You just say, Hey, I just broke up with my girlfriend and you guys knew when I hired you that you, I had a drug past or whatever. I'm having a hard time right now. And then chat, checks in on that guy, that lady. We put a structure around them to support them, never pressuring them to make any, you know, faith. We're just, just loving them, meeting them where they're at. And uh, we've got a family that is so tight, guys. And it didn't come overnight, but, but 
that I just love our band of misfit heroes. You know, I, I, I can, I can tell you story after story and I get emotional about it. Just talking about these guys, you know, you know, as a businessman in a small business in a very expensive city to operate, you know, you look for the cheapest labor and you're like, well, you get what you get. <laughs> and, and, uh, you probably get the outcome that you thought you would get invest in little, you pay them little, just expect chaos. And so we kind of decided, you know what, um, we need affordable labor. That was our initial reason for going into the transitional centers to hire people. And, uh, after the very first interview, our heart changed. When you walk into transitional centers, any city you're in right now, you're gonna see um, minorities who are overlooked and locked up for reasons, for stuff they did when they were 16 years old and they're 30, 40 years old now, and they were just in a dumb place in their life, made a simple mistake, and they are wasting away and no one wants to hire them. They've already paid their dues, but they're sitting in this like transition place waiting for someone to hire them. But because they have this little historical record of you're in the car and someone shot somebody, it's just like so behind them, but it's completely permanently tarnished their whole life. Everything, you can't get an apartment, you can't get a car. Uh, you're just, you're unsalvageable in most people's lives. Most people would never touch that person. And the most amazing thing is, is when you get to sit across the table with that person, you get to know their name. And I'm interviewing them, just like you guys are interviewing me. I get to know their story. Hey, you tell me about your family. Wow, you've got brothers and sisters just like I do. Well, oh, and you've got a family and you haven't seen your kid because you can't get out of here to get a job to take care of them. I'm like, wow. And so many times we label people with their past, even though they've already paid their debts. And I get to tell them, you know what? There's nothing different between you and I. I just didn't get caught. I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my life. I should be where you're at. Or if you believe what I believe, the Bible says, if you've even thought about it, you've already committed it in your heart. And I said, I get to tell him that. And I said, you know what? For instance, we got a guy named Carlos right now, old gangbanger, drug, drug guy, came to work for me and he was rough around the edges straight to the transitional center. Didn't know how to do anything. He's been locked up his whole life. Never had a job, never did anything. You know, he's almost 30 years old. Comes in and just had to teach him how to use a dolly, teach him how to carry a box, teach him how to sweep. And you know what? He figured it out and was afraid to talk to people just because he'd never really done that. And, and so I said, well, start talking to the delivery drivers, you know, and just little investments of help to make him a better person, a personal leader, you know, whatever. And uh, before he knew it, he was one of our best rising stars in our factory of, uh, in our warehouse, loading trucks in, and we trusted him with more. And, but he never thought he could do more in his life. And um, we had an opening, and I can segue into this, but and I don't know how you want to chop it all in, but two years ago, um, we were watching all these furniture stores close their doors in Austin. You know, they were all selling the same products, same whatever different price, running the price game over and over again. Who's got the better deal? Who's got the better hook? Nothing special. And I said, we're, we're kind of becoming that because we're trying to, we've opened up all these stores and we have nothing special other than the bar at our store. And I'm like, we got to talk about our people. And, and I said, everyone else is just buying furniture from everybody else. What is different about us? And I said, well, we've always had this idea of making our own furniture. And, and I said, well, we either are going to make it or we've got to source it better because um, rent went up 25%, taxes went up 25%. Um, the writing's on the wall. We're going to be another statistic unless we change something. Um, I can only raise the prices so much. And so uh, we ordered a sewing machine in, never sewed day in our lives other than maybe a button in a one-day home ec class. And we ordered this uh, sewing machine in off of Amazon. And uh, Dan brings his garage and he's like, this is cool. Got, I know how to sew now. I watch a YouTube video. I'm like, really? Yeah, whatever. And I go over there and he's like sewing like random fabric he had left over from some parts off of a sofa. And I said, well, this is the wrong, this is, it keeps getting jammed. And we found out, oh my goodness, there's 
supposed to have these specialty sewing machines for sewing fabric, industrial ones. We had this dress making sewing machine and it was like this, it was awful. Anyway, we all kind of practiced and taught ourselves how to sew a straight line. And we're like, I think we can do this. Let's start making sofas. And so two years ago, we didn't know how to sew. And fast forward to today, we're on track to producing um, our goal by the end of November, the 1,000 pieces a month of sofas cranking out of our factory in Austin, Texas, all being made by misfits. Not all, but a large majority of them out of our transitional center. Former misfits. I call them heroes now, um, but it's amazing that we went from zero to now manufacturing furniture in less than two years off of an idea. And we just tried it and we did it and we got better and we got better and we started figuring things out. We took apart those sofas again. We learned how they're made. How can we make this better? How do we source stuff? And it's amazing how it's all kind of come together. And I've got story after story how God brought this person to work with us. And I'm going to get a sandwich one day at this nasty sandwich shop. I don't ever go to, but I was starting. And I'm at my end of my rope. I can't find anybody to build sofas in Austin because nobody does it. I thought, well, I'm going to go to Mississippi or North Carolina and nobody, there's no manufacturing down here. Getting a sandwich made one day at this sandwich shop. And this guy has this ridiculous accent like Tennessee, you know, and, and uh, I'm like, where are you from? Well, I'm from Tennessee. I'm like, what are you doing down here? Well, I chased a girl down here and left my job. Where were you working? You know, just, I worked at Lazy Boy. And so he just tells his whole story. He goes, I was one of their factory leads at Lazy Boy and I just got whatever job I can get. And I said, are you kidding me? Where did you work? Lazy Boy. So like, was that, what, what did y'all do with me? Oh, we made recliners. Okay. I'm like crazy. All right. You make that sandwich. You come see me when your shift's over. And that was our first hire in our factory was this guy I met at a sandwich shop to teach us how to build frames of sofas. That is part one with our new friend, Brian Morgan. And you're going to want to hang on to your hats because part dose coming up next week, Brian ends that next podcast better than any Dos Marcos podcast has ever ended in all 176 episodes. Plus, Brian's going to talk about his partnership with the Winter Family, the Furniture Mall of Kansas, launching the Furniture Mall of Texas, their partnership, the pa 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 pa, their partnership <laughs> with Austin City Limits, and how they're doing business and creating culture. He goes even deeper. So make sure you're subscribed, sign up for our email newsletter, subscribe on the podcast app, and tune in next week for part dose with Brian Morgan. For now, we're going to play this funky music. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh, yeah, bounce with it, bounce with it. Oh, bounce with it, bounce with it. Alright. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as that get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. Oh. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool as ice and I'm hot like like a heater, bounce by the ounce, now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth or bounce all night. Yeah. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get hybrid. If you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Nothing short of cheap. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of a comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get high
reception is charming when your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment. What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam, cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone. And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low. We got the type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot. So stick with us and you'll get rewarded. Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive. Is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses.